Thanks for joining us on the Sword and Trial today. In this episode, Graham and I talk about uh, complementarianism and patriarchalism, some of the larger conversations that are taking place, uh, not just in our society, but in the evangelical world, and trying to suss out a little bit about what the Bible actually says regarding women's roles, not just in the church, but in general, the distinctions between men and women that God's woven into creation, and then the responsibility that both men and women as disciples of Christ have to grow in his grace and knowledge. We hope that this conversation will be useful to you and to those in your church. Welcome to The Sword and Trial. The Sword and Trial is a podcast of Founders Ministries, and Founders exists for the recovery of the gospel and the reformation of local churches. I'm Tom Askell. And I'm Graham Gundon. Thank you for joining us today. Graham and I want to talk about one of the issues that is being discussed pretty broadly in the conservative evangelical world uh, at the moment, and that is the, the role of women in churches and the uh, place of theology in the life of a woman. And there's been uh, interesting takes, some of them very hot, some of them very poor, and mm. uh, a lot of them that have been provocative to think about the issue more deeply, and that's what we want to do in our conversation. Well, I'll, I'll take your word for it. I'm not on Twitter. And, well, I'm not on X anymore, so X, um, yeah. I don't know what the conversations are. I know. We, don't, we, we can't retweet. We repost now or oh, something like sad. that. I don't even know. Oh, man. What, I, but I still know when I go to Twitter.com, it comes up. So uh, <laughs> they haven't got all that sorted right just yet. You know, I, I have five daughters um, that are now adults and faithful followers of the Lord Jesus. You've got a got new daughter. daughter. That's yeah, right. Eight months. Eight months old. And uh, mm-hmm. so these are things that you'll be, will be facing. Five sisters. That's right. Grew up with five mm-hmm. sisters. And so you've, you've had a lot of uh, thoughts about that from in terms mm-hmm. of a sibling relationship. Uh, but some of the things that are being said today are, are in a broader context of what's going on in our culture and in the broader evangelical world. So like, for example, the SBC has been embroiled in uh, a great deal of conversation, conversation, some of it not very helpful, but a lot of it has been clarifying about the role of women in churches. And mm-hmm. so over the last few years, we've gone from um, the uh, lady who was the head of the credentials committee a couple of years ago, standing up in Anaheim, California at the SBC annual meeting and saying, you know, we, we don't know whether we can recommend that churches that have women pastors be removed because we're not right. sure what a pastor is. Mm. You know? <laughs> so yeah. we, we've gone from that to praise God in New Orleans, the uh, Southern Baptist Convention messengers that showed up there overwhelmingly yeah. spoke about what our views are regarding the role of pastor and a woman's uh, not being uh, qualified ever to mm-hmm. serve in that role in the, a local church because we've adopted the amendment that was submitted by Mike Law Mm. that came out only after great consternation. The executive committee didn't want to bring it out, but were pretty well, I think, shamed into bringing it out. And when they brought it out, they spoke against it, which is kind of crazy. We're going to bring this out. We just don't think you ought to adopt it. (laughs) And then the messengers overwhelmingly adopted it. It has to have, I think it was 75% or something like that. We voted it overwhelmingly, but it's got to be voted again next year because two conventions in a row have to adopt it for it to become part of the constitution that just says, you know, there, there's not a place 
in pastoral ministry in a Southern Baptist church for women. No, mm-hmm. no woman can be a pastor of any kind in a Southern Baptist church. Doesn't mean that they can't be pastoral. Doesn't mean that they can't uh, love people and serve people and, and encourage people, shepherd people in various ways. They just can't do it as an officer of the church mm-hmm. the way that Christ has ordained his churches to be led. So that's one broad context. And then uh, another is uh, the debate between complementarianism and patriarchalism. Mm-hmm. Complementarianism has you know, become almost like a, uh, a plastic word it doesn't necessarily mean anything. Mm-hmm. You know, are you are you narrow? Are you broad? You know what? Yeah. What do you mean by this? So people say, well, we just need to return to patriarchalism. Well, complementarianism is the new liberalism. <laughs> well, that's the way a lot of people treat it. You know, I'm a complementarian, but you know, yeah. I mean, how many times have we heard that kind of statement? Yeah, you know, and that's coming out even from some of the leaders in the SBCL. We're complementarian, but you mm-hmm. know, we don't think this is a good move to see this law amendment adopted again next year in the SBC. In fact, there's a whole orchestrated effort to try to get the law amendment overturned in Indianapolis next year at the Southern Baptist Convention in 2024. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so you're seeing it from Baptist Press. You're seeing it from appointments uh, that will be made in uh, a key committee that James Merritt and former uh, SBC presidents who all gathered around one microphone as if they were a college of cardinals, you know, that yeah. SBC people ought to look at and esteem, oh, well, they've spoken, now we got to do. Um so I think it's just the, the broader context frames what we're going to talk about today. Well, and it's interesting, too, how these moves in the Southern Baptist Convention, people, the leadership's getting a little bit squeamish about, well, maybe we should let women in authority positions in the mm-hmm. church. Um, it fits into, um, I think, a greater push or even strategy. You know, Aaron Wren's done a lot of good work in kind of uncovering what some call Big Eva and some some big players in Big Eva and their push for a new strategy in making egalitarianism much more palatable to the conservative evangelical so that we can partner with egalitarians, those mm-hmm. who believe that both men and women should be serving in pastoral leadership roles within the church. Um, and what we really need to do is it's, it's not a big issue. We need to not fight over it. We need to not divide over it. Um, let's all get along so we can fight the real, real important battles. Um, and so it seems like that play in the SBC maybe is, is, is playing into that broader strategy in evangelicalism. Yeah, that's right. And we want to be clear. I mean, this is not a salvific issue. Can egalitarians mm-hmm. uh, be Christians? Absolutely. Can they be useful in the kingdom? Absolutely. Uh, I'm just not going to start a church with them because you know, yeah. we don't understand how churches are to be ordered, and we think that matters for mm-hmm. the health and integrity of a local church. But I, I have had and have friends that disagree with me on this, and it is no barrier to our being you know, in fellowship as brothers and sisters in Christ. One of the greatest Baptist theologians of the 20th century, Absolutely. Roger Nicole, was an egalitarian. Not anymore. But, well, he, you was. Know, <laughs> he was. <laughs> yeah, he was. Before he graduated to glory, he was yeah. straightened out. Yeah. No, and, and Roger and I talked about this multiple times. I remember one conversation uh, in my driveway outside of the car. You know, we're, we're talking, and I, I just we talked about it all the way uh, to the driveway. And I, I said, you know, Dr. Nicole, it just seems to me that on, on everything else, when we discuss things, you have biblical scriptures, you, you, you have biblical arguments. And on this, all your arguments are historical and pragmatic. I said, I just mm. don't get it, you know. Mm. And, and um, anyway, I loved him. And uh, he was a dear friend and brother and a uh, friend of Founders Ministries. But I think he was just wrong yeah. on this issue. So that's kind of the backdrop. Yeah. So with that, let's talk about our church. 
you know, first of all, Grace Baptist Church, you and I are both pastors here mm-hmm. at Grace. And I would say, man, we've got some of the finest, most godly, most theologically astute women that you will find anywhere on the planet mm-hmm. uh, in this church and praise God for them. Mm-hmm. So as we think about the role of women in the church, we're not saying, oh, you're, you're repressed and you have nothing to offer. Mm-hmm. Um, I regularly will ask different trusted women, uh, most of them are in my family, I'm related to them, but there mm-hmm. are others that are I'm not biologically related to, uh, about theological issues. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll talk about some things, and you know, my wife, I'll, I'll read stuff to her that I'm working on to uh, for a sermon or a, a lesson I'm going to teach or thoughts that I'm having and bounce them off of her because she's very theologically astute, and I'm grateful that she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've raised five daughters, and they are all uh, very theologically uh, clever and wise, and they read theology. They study the scriptures. Um, my son married a, a woman who is very theologically aware also, and, and this is good. I'm not intimidated by that. I don't mm-hmm. think our church has any sense that, oh, no, the women are going to take over. We might learn something from a woman, and that would be detrimental. Yeah. We wanted to make you aware of a new title that's coming out here shortly at Founders Press. This is Serious Joy, Reflections and Devotions on Jonathan Edwards' 70 Resolutions, a book by Pastor Joey Tomlinson. In this book, uh, Joey introduces the readers to Jonathan Edwards' 70 Resolutions and goes over each of them in detail and gives supporting scripture references for each of them. So it's a wonderful opportunity for Christians to be able to be introduced to Jonathan Edwards and also a wonderful introduction to his 70 Resolutions. If you'd like to pre order this new title, you can do so at founders.org. You grew up in the home of a pastor mm-hmm. with five sisters. Yeah. So my, how did this come up? You know, my, uh, the, the home I grew up in was very complimentarian. Um, that being said, my mother is, uh, very intelligent, mm-hmm. uh, theologically aware, uh, very, she will tell you, very strong-willed, um, and a lot of my sisters are that way too. And you know, obviously, my my mother uh, had a great impact on my own spiritual formation, but my sisters did as well, especially mm-hmm. my older sister. Um, you know, I don't know where I would be spiritually without just her influence and her input. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, th- those are the ways that we thought about it. My, the church I grew up in was very conscious of the fact that it was a complementarian church. Mm-hmm. So, um, following. Uh, Paul's admonitions to Timothy, you know, I I don't permit a woman, a woman to teach or to have authority over a man. I mean, that's just clear as day. And he doesn't, he doesn't base that in any sort of cultural issue going on at the time in Ephesus. He bases that in uh, creational realities of Mm -hmm. Adam and Eve and the man being created first. Um, And so that's how we lived our lives. And that's, that's how I've thought about the relationships between men and women uh, broadly speaking, and mm-hmm. within the church. Yeah, and here at Grace, we've never been in danger of having a woman uh, installed in a pastoral mm-hmm. office. It's just never been a question. Our women would be appalled at that. In fact, the women would be up in arms. Well, I mean, the, first off, the Bible's clear on it. Second, our confession is clear on it. Third, our constitution is clear <laughs> on it. So it'd be pretty difficult to happen. Yeah, you know, and, and that that's by design mm-hmm. because we've tried to understand the Bible. We've come to conclusions about that. I mean, even women deacons, and I think you can have a debate that's yeah. uh, broader than what you can have about women elders on that question, but we don't have that because 
because we work through that question too and, and determine no, this is not proper uh, mm-hmm. for us to do. We we think the the preponderance of evidence would suggest we shouldn't do that either. No slam on women. So. With this rise of egalitarianism in the culture, you know, everybody gets a trophy, mm-hmm. and then that's wedded to the rise of feminism. And so there's this idea that you're repressing women if you don't allow women or uh, put women in positions of authority that are equal to men. There's been a lot of confusion, and some people have been knocked off balance by mm-hmm. it. So you've got one, some who've caved into it, and that's what we see going on with some of the leadership in the SBC. Oh, no. You know, oh no, what's going to happen if, if the world thinks that we are being oppressive to women? We can't do that. Mm-hmm. So there, you got that kind of squishy stuff going on. But then you've got a reaction yeah. to it. And I'm seeing stuff by guys who say, you know, women shouldn't study theology and no no wife should read a book her husband hadn't read first and vetted mm-hmm. for her. And women shouldn't teach one another theology. Yeah, they'll right. only be taught theology by a man. By man, yeah, it, it's and, you know you can study theology books as long as you're only studying them for the sake of trying to figure out how to be a better woman or wife or mother or something. You know, Clean the laundry better, bake bread that's tastier. <laughs> I've read some of this stuff and and I, I think I sent this to my wife, I don't know who I sent it to, a couple of people at least, is it's, I don't think the doctrine of justification is either feminine or masculine. <laughs> you know, I don't think you say, oh, well, I'm a woman, so I shouldn't uh, give myself to this. So the reaction against this egalitarian feminist spirit has been as bad on the other side uh, as what's being reacted against. And that's this idea that, no, no, you know, women, they, they shouldn't have these deep theological considerations. And I think that's just absolutely mm-hmm. foolish because mm-hmm. what's the problem with the egalitarianism that says women pastors are okay? What's the problem? Is it too much theology for the women? No, it's not enough. They don't have enough theology. They need better theology. They need to keep doing the work of the text until they realize, oh, no, 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 I was wrong over here thinking that women could be pastors. So as I've thought about this, and Donna and I raising our kids, and, and again, my wife is one of the best practical theologians that I know. I mean, she's, she's sharp, she sees things, and uh, she makes good implications from them. Um, thinking about the, our daughters as well as our son, is that God willing, if they get married and have children, they're going to be raising our grandkids. Mm-hmm. I want good theologians raising my grandkids. Yeah. Yeah. And who's going to be spending most of the time with the kids in the home? It's going to be the moms. I can tell you this much. My wife has had far more time discussing the hypostatic union with my boys than I have had. And she has spent quite a bit of time discussing it with them. Well, I would love to hear those conversations because your boys are what, four and two? Four and two. <laughs> yeah. Well, there you go. I feel guilty now for all the conversations I didn't have with my toddlers about uh, such matters. Well, women most definitely, as image bearers of God, redeemed by the grace of God in Christ, are responsible to grow in that grace and knowledge. They Mm -hmm. don't get a pass, and they're not to grow only as far as their husbands allow them. In fact, I would say, and I have said to men multiple times who are married to or considering marrying sharp, theologically astute women, brother, you just need to get up earlier and stay up later. You, know, you don't you don't hold her back. You don't rein her in. Praise God for that. And she can help you, but you need to get up and go because mm-hmm. you just have to, to work hard. And good night. God gives people differently. I mean, I, I there, there are women who are far uh, more intelligent than I am, that mm-hmm. I know and love and esteem, and that's not a slam mm-hmm. on me. God just gifted them with uh, keen understanding, and, and uh, that's 
Yeah, it's not a problem. That's a that's a reality. And that doesn't mean then, oh, because they're smarter, because they might be able to articulate uh, doctrine better than they ought to be pastors. It's, mm-hmm. That's not it at all. The Bible's clear. One of the things, Graham, that I find interesting in that passage that gets debated so much that you cited already, it's 1 Timothy 2.12, is what is written right above it in verse 11. Mm-hmm. Paul says, let a woman learn quietly with all submissiveness. And again, that tends to be used, saying, well, see there, she used to be quiet, she used to be submissive. Yeah, but what's really radical about that is Paul says, let a woman learn. Mm. I mean, she is to be a learner. Yeah. The women in our churches ought to be encouraged to study and learn, and there's no area of theology, no area of, of divine revelation that uh, we should be saying, well, this is not for you, ladies, mm-hmm. because this is only for the men. So. Over here, we, we uh, understand the reaction to the egalitarian feminist spirit, but when that reaction begins to lead you to conclusions that are outside the boundaries of Scripture, then you're making, in, in essence, the same error just in the opposite direction. Mm-hmm. Don't go any further than what the Word says. Yeah, and you know, this is, um, I think some complementarians want to uh, limit the differences between the sexes and, and say that, you know, within the home and within the church, uh, there is kind of an authority structure mm-hmm. and when wives are to be submissive to their husbands and women aren't supposed to serve as officers in the church. But in the broader culture, in society, you know, it doesn't, just doesn't really matter because the Bible isn't really clear on that. And so mm-hmm. women can do really whatever a man can do. And I mean, you got to be careful in the ways that, that you would you would limit um, the different roles of the sexes and communities. Um, but it men and women are different yeah. outside of the church. Men and women are different outside of the home. When it comes to the armed forces um, mm-hmm. serving in the military, you know, women ought not to serve front That's lines. Right. Um, when it comes to police forces, we have to be more thoughtful about how we say a woman should serve on a police force. I'm not saying they can't or they shouldn't, right. but we have to be more careful because women are meant to be protected by men and to be guarded by men, to be provided for by men. Uh, and when we put them out on the front lines, when we put them in positions where they are in physical danger. I mean, men are not doing their jobs appropriately. And this, I think, extends into a lot of different areas. And so we're not saying that, yeah, this is all just limited to the church and a woman can just do anything or ought to do just anything. Women have to think about who they are as God has created them. And men have to think about who they are as God has created them and and try to serve and try to operate within those parameters that Mm -hmm. God has, that God has created for them. Yeah. And and so there are these creational realities that don't just get dismissed Mm -hmm. because the Bible doesn't say specifically that uh, a woman shouldn't be a foot soldier. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, the Bible does very clearly talk about the home, talk about the church and authority structures men and women can occupy mm-hmm. uh, if they're qualified uh, in those ways as men. And it doesn't do that in the same way regarding police forces or yeah. armies. Nevertheless, there are creational realities that you mm-hmm. just pointed out. And to deny or ignore those creational realities is folly. Now, what that does mean, and you said it well, is we got to think more carefully mm-hmm. about it. And so you can't write a rule book uh, all the time as cleanly as you can about right. women pastors. But it doesn't mean there aren't any rules or principles that we need to be looking at and trying to apply. Yeah, a, uh, a society which would send their women into the front lines is a very sick society. Absolutely. And that's just the most kind of obnoxious and clearest example. But there are other examples that, that come to mind as well. Um, so we need to also, as Christians, think about, okay, what, what 
is appropriate for men to do and for women to do in society and in the church and in the home um, and try to glorify God in those ways that, that reflect, especially in a world in which there's so much confusion about gender. Like you said, this hyper egalitarianism, which is stated for so long, for decades, uh, there's no real difference between man and woman, which eventually leads to this transgenderism madness that we see. That it's all just a social construct, and it's uh, it's a farce. It doesn't matter. Therefore, I though I have been born in uh, with a man's physique, I can determine that I'm a woman because it's all just uh, socially constructed. Yeah, that's exactly right. These things are connected, and if we don't recognize the connection, then we're going to be easily played, moved down the road without a defense and without an argument. So there's an ontological reality. There's there's reality woven into existence, into being, Mm -hmm. that has clear distinctions, clear differences between men and women. I was trying to think of the passage in Isaiah, and I can't call it up, uh, where God speaks of judgment coming on a nation. I think it's when, Isaiah 3. Yeah, when your, women, when, when your rulers are women and children. Um, yeah, here it is, verse 4. So Isaiah 3, verse 4. I will make boys their princes and infants shall rule over them. Well, that's one of them. Um, well, I don't remember the other passage. But it, at any rate, just it's, a, it's based upon an ontological reality. Mm-hmm. But this, this is not the way... God has woven the world to be. And that's no slam on children's, no slam on boys, no slam on women. It's just a reality. It's God, God has made us differently. Mm-hmm. And there are times in God's providence where uh, that happens. You know, Josiah, as an eight-year-old boy, comes to the throne as the king. That's right. And by the time he's 16, makes massive reformations, which are Honoring to God and glorifying to God. A boy comes to, to authority. Uh, the, the example that's often brought up is Deborah mm-hmm. as a judge over Israel. Sometimes mm-hmm. in the Lord's providence, in extraordinary um, times in history, the Lord brings women and children. But what it is, is it's really kind of a judgment on that's the society right. that has become so sick that the men are not uh, powerful enough, they're not courageous enough, they're, they don't have the wisdom to lead. Yeah, that's right. Thank you for joining us today on this episode of The Sword in the Trial. We just wanted to remind you of our upcoming National Founders Conference that is coming up next January 18th through the 20th. That's January 2024. Uh, It's going to be a wonderful time of encouragement. The theme is Remember Jesus Christ, so it's an entire conference devoted to Christology. Uh, Tom Askell, Conrad and Bayway, Paul Washer, Joel Beakey, Phil Johnson, and Travis Allen will all be there speaking at the conference. And we're delighted to be able to announce today that Allie Beth Stuckey will also be joining us as a special guest as well at this upcoming conference. She'll be doing a live podcast with us, with Tom and me, and she'll also be doing a breakout session for all the ladies in attendance as well. So if you want to come and sign up for the conference, you can do so at founders.org slash conference. We'd love to see you there. What we try to follow and advocate here in our church, teach our people, is look, God made this world. And he made you the way that you are. You're either a, a male or a female. And if you're young, he intends for you to grow up to be a man or a woman. And you should embrace that. You shouldn't fight against that. You shouldn't mm-hmm. think that somehow you are superior or inferior because of that. You're different. And God has a role for you to play in his world. And as you come to faith in Christ, he has a role for you to play in his kingdom, in his church. And you ought to joyfully embrace it. 
And again, I, I praise God. We got strong men in our church. Uh, I was looking around yesterday when we were mm. singing and just praising God for the male voices yep. that were sounding out. And uh, that, that's God's kindness. But we have strong women in the church, too. And men should not be intimidated by that. We shouldn't try to, to suppress the theological insights and growth of our women. What it does mean is that uh, husbands especially, fathers especially, uh, we need to to stay at it. We need mm. to go after it. We can't coast. And if we have, uh, if you have a wife or daughters who are especially gifted and just take to biblical understanding, theological understanding, praise God for it, cultivate it, mm. but just realize, okay, that's another call to you to go for it. And you may never be as theologically sharp uh, as your daughter is mm-hmm. or your wife is. That is. That is no slam. You can still lead with good biblical insight and you're going to you're going to have to be diligent in going for it but don't think oh no you know i'm going to just, you can't read these books mm-hmm. y- you can't listen to these theologians you mm-hmm. you can't study these doctrines because that will make you more theologically alert than me take it as a challenge mm-hmm. and pray and uh, go hard yourself and man we we don't need fewer we need more theologically yeah. astute women because the more theologically astute a woman is the less she will want to be an elder in mm-hmm. a local church. Mm-hmm. Amen. Um, you know, I was, I'm just thinking about this. Is it just a question? Is it okay for a woman then to have any sort of public voice speaking mm-hmm. about Christian <clears throat> issues, speaking about public issues? You mean like Fanny Crosby? Yeah. Like Fanny or, Crosby. Or like Elizabeth Elliot. Uh-huh. Yeah, I mean, is that okay? Or Amy Carmichael. We look to those women and say, yeah, they did good things, but maybe that wasn't appropriate for them. Yeah, well, again, I think, what is the sphere? You know, what is the sphere? So in our day where uh, you can sit at home in your basement and have a voice that goes out, um, that needs to be handled well and careful, mm-hmm. carefully. So I, it's it, one of the funny things I see on Twitter are these women who are advocating for what seems to me like a, an an over-realized patriarchalism, if I can use that terminology, mm-hmm. and they're sitting there lecturing people about it, you know, yeah. <laughs> on Twitter. And I think, wait a minute, this just doesn't seem right. So Getting I think, in fights with pastors who aren't <clears throat> as patriarchal as they that, are. That's right. That's <laughs> right. And and so, man, it's just whatever you do, do as a woman. Whatever mm-hmm. you do, do as a man. You know, if I'm, um, if I'm changing my child's diaper i do it as a man i don't do it as a woman which doesn't mean do a bad job no 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 that's right that, that's true so yeah no not that i mean if i'm playing with the kids i play with them as a man i don't play mm-hmm. with them as a woman and so it doesn't mean that that men don't do things that women might do more naturally that they're better at i just do it as a man i'm not trying to be a woman mm-hmm. and the same thing would be true there that women and especially I, I, the ones that i have uh uh, appreciated through the years, like an Elizabeth Elliot. You mm-hmm. know, I, I heard her speak on different issues, giving her testimony about what happened. You know, with her husband Jim, and uh, the way God used that to bring a, a whole group of people, an unreached people group, to, to faith in Christ, and raising her daughter as a single mom. Um, listening to her, she was very deferential. She, I never got the impression, impression that Elizabeth Elliot wanted to be a pastor mm-hmm. or Johnny Erickson Tata. Mm-hmm. You know, in the same way. And so, um, yeah, I think women can have, they have had, and have been very useful in exercising the gifts and the stewardship of those gifts that God's provided for them. What do you think? Yeah, I think it, um, 
just like you said, for a woman to have a public ministry is, or a public voice, even if it's not directly dedicated to ministry, I think is completely appropriate given that it's, it's done in the parameters of, okay, I'm a woman, so I'm going to do this as a woman mm-hmm. and, and I'm a man. So I'm going to do this as a man. Yeah. Yeah. So you don't get the impression that a woman's trying to become a man. I, I really think this is behind Paul's concerns and admonitions in first Corinthians 11. You know, when he talks about head coverings and he talks about praying, prophesying, I think he's concerned that when women do whatever they're going to do in that New Testament church, they do it as women. Mm-hmm. They're not in any way trying to come across like they're usurping the position reserved for qualified men mm-hmm. in the church at Corinth. Mm-hmm. So if we take that to heart, then it'll, I think, solve a lot of difficulties, at least put us on a good road mm-hmm. as we try to sort through practical questions. And there's no doubt there's there's going to be specific things that come up along the way that are going to require some real careful thought. But we, we have a book, and we shouldn't be embarrassed about it. We should say everything it says and be careful not to claim that it says more than it does. Yeah, I love Amen. what Calvin said that we ought to be willing to uh, speak where the Bible speaks and be silent where the Bible is silent. Mm -hmm. So if we do that, we won't go wrong. Amen. Well, thanks for joining us today on The Sword and Trial. And we appreciate our Founders Alliance members who support us and invest in this ministry regularly so that we can produce this kind of content and make it available. If this has been useful to you, we encourage you to subscribe to your favorite podcast platform and also to spread this around. So if we can do anything for you here at Founders, don't hesitate to reach out and give us that opportunity. Why are we here? What is the most important thing in the world? One of our greatest problems is is forgetting. We we forget what God has done for us. We forget what God has taught us. We forget things that we have experienced. If we don't pause, if we don't think deeply, if we aren't reminded again and again and again, we forget. strikes me pretty significantly in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 8. Remember Jesus Christ. Why in the world would Paul tell a pastor to remember Christ? Well, he's not going to forget that Jesus Christ lived and that Jesus Christ taught, but he's going to forget the significance of Christ. Christ is ultimately our mission. The church is the body of Christ. A church has to focus on the supremacy of Christ because That's why we are the church. Christ is supreme over all. The church's great mission is to preach Christ. We're there to win souls. We're there to advance Christ's kingdom. The problem with the world is not that they don't agree with me. The problem is that they don't bow the knee to Christ. So that's why we're going to gather, to specifically, explicitly focus on the supremacy of Christ, to do our best to remind each other of the centrality of Christ, the beauty of Christ, the glory of Christ. So join us in Fort Myers, Florida, January 18th through 20th, 2024 as we focus on Jesus Christ. I hope to see you there.